Several light milliseconds away, on the south side of Dorset, lies a small, relatively overlooked podcast known as Round the Archives. The archivers, though rarely visited by television producers, have a regrettable sense of humour and have been even known to nick other people's introductions to their series just to get a cheap laugh. Random visitors who stumble across their SoundCloud account are often perplexed by the activities of the archivers and wonder if they are actually that silly in real life. Improbably, this does seem to be the case, and the more playful archivers will often set listeners all manner of strange puzzles by making incredibly obscure references to arcane and esoteric things. Sometimes, if the listeners manage to solve these puzzles, they can win a biscuit. What? You were expecting a crystal? Be sensible, we're not made of money. Ladies and gentlemen, with Richard of York giving battle... In vain, apparently. It's episode 11 of Round the Archives. Doogie Rev. to see the adventure game and we return to the realm of strange beings from outer space as Sarah Green, Ann Miller and Richard Stilgo alight on the planet Arg. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Round the Archives. I'm Werdner. I'm Nero. And I'm Asil. Are you? Bless yes. You. Oh, does it hurt? No. That's some clean for that. Why are we talking backwards? <laughs> I don't know. It's your idea. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Bill Homewood's idea. Well, okay, well, but then. we shall talk about that shortly. Now, <laughs> hello, hello <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm Lisa. And I'm Warren. But it wasn't necessarily said in that no. order. No, that'll confuse people. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter. Yeah, uh, do we have any odds and ends from last time? I don't think we do. I think we do, no. Goodness. No. Got it all right. Did we? Oh, well, no, no, nobody just told us we got it wrong. No. Um, but today we are going to talk about... The Adventure Game, yes. which which has just come out on DVD, came out on DVD last Monday. Was it was it that long ago? Yes. Thank you, Blimey. Simply Media. Yes. Good o. Right. So, who remembers the Adventure Game? I do. I do. I like the way you're putting your it's hand up. It's not the point you've had that one. It's very it's visual audio. for audio, isn't it? <laughs> yes. 
I think I remember virtually all of it, but you remember. I remember the, the later, later stuff, stuff, don't you? But later. I do remember the Espedistra. But Warren, you said you remember the. I remember the tube train. The tube train, yes. and that's that series. Series one, isn't it? Series two. Series two. Sorry, you yeah. said it got a repeat, so perhaps but, I saw an episode. Yes, there are, there are repeats. Espedistra. But there must be people who don't know what the adventure game is. Mm. Poor things. Poor things. Oh. So, how, oh, this is this is going to be tricky. <laughs> this is going to be really good. <laughs> how, Shall we stop the planet first? How, do, how do we how do we explain the adventure game? It's a um, game show. Yes. For children. Well, there's Whoa. no children on. I'm not even sure. But it was on at nine something well, in the nine thirty in the morning. Let's that, go. Adults to, don't watch stuff. Let's at go in the to the first listing of it in Radio Times, which is. The Saturday, the twenty fourth of May, nineteen eighty. I was ten. How old were you? Nine thirty. Eight. Nine thirty in the morning. It was bill- twelve. Twelve. In nineteen eighty, <laughs> in May nineteen eighty, I would have been eleven. Hmm. So Saturday morning. Hmm. This is sort of in between seasons of Swap Shop, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, some, is it on BBC Two or BBC? No, it's BBC One. BBC One. BBC One. So nine o'clock is the banana splits. Mm-hmm. And 9.30, The Adventure Game. And let's read out what it says. A problem for time travellers. Many light years away, on the far side of the galaxy, lies Arg, a small planet of little consequence. On a day trip from Earth by time machine are Elizabeth Estenson, Fred Harris and Mark Dugdale. The Argons, a polite race of advanced dragons, find it amusing to test these visiting time trippers. Yeah. That still doesn't give much it away, does give it? Anything no. Away, no. Yeah. So if you tuned in, I don't we, think you'd really, really have a clue yeah. what it is. What it is? But they have a sort of series of puzzles it's, mm, it's to fact solve. On a low budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the crystal maze. Yes, for, for intelligent people. For intelligent people. <laughs> Which doesn't always work. Well, I remember <laughs> you said the other time that Fort Boyard is yeah. the crystal maze for stupid people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that three, the three guests yeah. arrive arrive on this planet, and then they steal the crystal and, and have to solve problems to get there to escape. To, to, to Logic get, clues. Maybe, is it to get they? their crystal in this series? Um, it it sort of it depends. It depends yes. on what episode it is. But um, series one, mm-hmm. you've got. Uh, oh, thank you for putting your hand there. Uh, the regulars. Uh, Moira Stewart. Yes. Before, 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 before she was a newsreader, news, even. Yes. She had been um, on Radio 2 and 4 as an announcer, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was. Um, this is before her, her time as a newsreader. We've got Ian Messeter, mm-hmm. who um, created Just a Minute, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the uh, radio game show. The series itself is uh, created by Patrick Dowling. X of Vision On. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've also got Charmaine Gradwell. Charma- uh, Charmaine. How, how, how do you pronounce it? Charmaine. 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 Well, I'd pronounce it Charmian, yeah, but I'm, I'm told that that's wrong. That so is wrong. Name you get John Chalice Charmaine Gradwell yes. and Christopher Lever. Yes. Um, and all, all the regular cast are basically playing Argons. Which are yes. sort of weird... Which dragon are sort of dragon things, things which take on human form. Which the costumes change every year. Yes. yes. And some, it's not them years, doing it anyway. They've got the face masks of the mm. creature from Mars. Is it series, Dragos, series one or series two? They look like the um, 
the thing from Androids of Tara that's in the bushes. Oh, the Tara and Wood Beast. Yeah. 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 I think that's series two, isn't it? Series two, isn't yeah. Yeah. No, series two is, is the weird costume with a ring at the bottom where you can almost see the people's feet. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's, that's, the that's, the that's the one. Is it? Yeah, series yeah. one, they're more reptilian. Yeah. And... Um, they no. look like a furry shark. Oh, right, yeah, okay. fur, they're like sort of really cut price yeti. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what like evolutionary biology on this planet is meant <laughs> to be like. Because well, it just changes every year. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to get whatever costume designer's doing you, it. You've also year. got Uncle, yes. Um, yes. who changes form drastically. In hmm. series one, he is Ian Messiter, who yes. plays him as a sort of uh, man in a sort of velvety jacket. Yes. He's yep. a bit sort of absent minded. Mm-hmm. By series two, he's an Aspidistra. And he's the head of the planet. Though, yes, and by series four, he's a teapot. Yeah. <laughs> blowing his steam. <laughs> blowing yeah. steam out of his spout when he's displeased. And scaring people. Yes. You have, now, this this just sounds really weird when we start to describe <laughs> it, doesn't it? But we have just to give the, the background. buy the DVD. Buy the DVD and watch it. You'll love it. Um, it does help if you're a bit loopy, I think, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Very yeah. loopy. Because we are saying it's not the sort of show anyone would even consider making now, is it? No. Um, Although it started on BBC One, it, it then moves to BBC Two. Mm-hmm. And it seems to go from BBC Two, they can get away with absolutely anything, anything weird that they want to, then, don't they? Yeah. Oh, Lisa, <laughs> you're holding my recorder. Is it in the way? Oh, I don't know. How did you record it? Because I thought you wanted both hands. Grasp oh, right. it firmly okay. with both grasp, hands. Grasp it, Lisa. Oh, my, my the thing. There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is getting weird. Um... But yeah, the series sort of splits into two halves, really. Yeah. Because you've got series one and two in 1980 and 1981. Filmed at different places, though. Yeah. yeah. It's filmed at BBC Bristol and BBC Pebble, Pebble Mill. Pebble Mill. Yeah. Series two makes it very obvious it's Pebble, Pebble Mill, Mill because yeah, Patrick Dowling... So welcome. There's yes. a taxi turns up outside yeah. BBC Pebble Mill, yes. and the three guests. And he, he welcomes come out. into the foyer. And they're, main, Mill. they're mainstream guests, aren't they? They're, yes. they're people who are in recognisable. I mean, in let's, 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 mm. let's let's look at the the guests very briefly. Mm. For season one, Elizabeth Estenson and Fred Harris, mm-hmm. and uh, one member of the public, and you'd always a get a member of the public. Yeah. Um, who occasionally you've got like you get what well, you get the caretaker, caretaker of the year. Of the year. For one um, mm. In series, was it three? Episode mm. six, Ray Veer turns up. Yes. Now, mm. Ray, um, I did actually act with briefly in All one right. of Nick's films. Okay. I think Nick, it, Nick Goodman, yeah. that Nick is. Goodman's Nick Goodman's films. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Decry the Woman, and mm-hmm. Ray had to play a coroner yeah. at an inquest. And I was just in the background as an extra for this one. But I'd made the supreme sacrifice of losing my beard. Oh. <laughs> the so, things you do for your things art. Things I do for art. Yeah, yes. I did a lot of filming of sort of behind the scenes stuff, but I only had the one, one scene in it. But, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, back to back to sort of the series series one guests. Um, Lisa Goddard and Michael Rod. That one doesn't exist though. That so episode is missing. The the show does yeah. suffer from not all of it existing. Yes. There's two episodes which appear to be totally missing. Though there is a note on here. One domestic recording is apparently in existence. Yes, but they didn't want to return it for the but DVD. That's never been returned. The DVDs do have two episodes which are sourced from VHS copies. They, do. they have the Paul Darrow one. The Paul Darrow they? one from season one mm-hmm. and the Madeline Smith, David Yip one from season oh, two. Let's, let's talk about Madeline Lynn Smith. Smith. Oh, oh. Mensa Mint, student of the year. Who <laughs> <laughs> well, has trouble with a keyboard. Well, the, the, the trouble is, and to be fair, you're dropped into this situation 
and you just have to solve yeah. very, um, very strange yes, puzzles. Yes, and they're, they are hard. They are. They're hard. Season puzzles. two yeah. especially really overestimates people's yeah. intelligence. Um, intelligence, because you've got <laughs> clues based on flags. Yeah. Like the signal flags you'd use yes. on ship. There's semaphore. Semaphore. There's, yeah. there's a painting with semaphore mm. uh, the Lowry figures. Painting, the Lowry yeah. painting. The Lowry painting, yes. Um, and you've mm. got to do some thinking. What's the yeah. classic line she comes out with? But unfortunately, <laughs> Madeline Smith does pick up a, a torch at one point and <laughs> ask, what What's is this used for? It's used to see if your brain's in the dark. There. But, it was the bit with the keyboard. This is where we type, is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's a keyboard. Yes. The the sh- the show the show is has got a lot of computer stuff in it as well. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And um, I said series one and two are nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty one. Series three and four are nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty six. And you can see how computers progress. Because yeah. mm. series one, you've got this great big clunky Hewlett Packard thing. Series two is an Apple mm. II. Um, you said to me, how do you know it's an Apple II? To which I said, I know an Apple II when I see one. <laughs> and Series 3, you've then got the BBC Micro, Micro mm. um, which is playing a sort of 3D maze yeah. game. Thing. Which was actually quite relevant to a lot of the games that were yeah. out then as well. Because mm. you are talking early 80s, and in context, you've got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and you can see the influence of it in the sort of humour of the game. You've got Rubik's Cubes, you've got computer mm-hmm. games, you've got sort of Dungeons and Dragons um, being a sort of popular thing at the time. And there's all this stuff feeds into into how they've sort of set this up. It, it, yeah. it is the foundation stone for what will go on to yeah. be Crystal Maze. But BBC, and, and BBC like Two, that. as you say, it moves on to BBC Two. And you, you were allowed to do weird stuff on BBC Two because you've got the Great Egg Race. Yeah. And interestingly, Heinz Wolf presents the Great Egg Race and Heinz Wolf turns up in series four and absolutely storms it, he doesn't does. he? He's, mm. he's, he's bought into it, isn't he? Yeah. He's taking he's taking it seriously. And the logic, you can hear him logically reasoning. Yeah. And working out what he's got to do next yeah. and how he's going to do that. But quite that. a few of the science-y presenter peoples, yeah. peoples, people, um, do quite well at it. James Burke yeah. Yeah. does all right. Yeah. Um, Ian McNaught-Davis that's isn't right. bad yeah. either. But doesn't James Burke get evaporated? Oh, I can't remember. I think okay. he does. That's because he wasn't in beige. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, have you yet, yet, yet to see the Heather, Heather Cooper one? That's a bit... That, that, yeah, that's the final final episode. That's got Keith Chegwin in it, so I'm not sure how... I think Keith Chegwin gets evaporated. Yeah. I have a memory of Keith Chegwin getting on evaporated. My money's on Chegwin getting yeah. evaporated. Graham Garden's yeah. in series two. Um, mm. Yeah, Paul Darrow's in series one. Um, With a beard. Yeah. yeah, Bonnie Langford and Janet Fielding both turn up in series three with a beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, oh, with Sandra Dickinson as well. Sue Nichols. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, a mention to Miss Popoff in that. Oh, Actually, is there? I watched a, that yeah. one recently. Yes. Oh, the Ruth Maddock one. Um, oh, they, uh, they they stick in the three note um, xylophone. xylophone from Heidi yes. High just just for her, I mm. think. But one of the things I think that people remember about the show is the currency, which is the drogna. The drogna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we should talk about it, which are plastic discs yeah, with, with colours and, colors shapes, and on shapes on them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be interested to know if you'd worked out how it works when you were watching it at the time. Because I'm not sure I ever did. I don't think I ever did. No. no. I know what it is now. Because, and the clue is, we've already said, Richard of York gave battle. And it's the colours of the rainbow multiplied by the number of sides mm. so a red circle would score one one times one uh, an orange circle would score two 
So that'd be orange is two, and then the circle is one. So that'd be two times one. Um, but um, a yellow triangle, so it's red, orange, yellow, that'd be three. Three so times three will be nine. nine. Yeah, and so on. Hmm. All the way up to a green pentagon, If you could which see will be us 25. now, we're all sat with our fingers Yeah, out. we're counting on our fingers here, trying to work out <laughs> colours and shapes. So, you know, if we're having trouble working it out from first principles, and they're don't on, knock the guests no, for... They're under hmm. pressure, under the yeah. lights and doing the job. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what the studio recording's like, whether it's just like, are we in studio all day till you work it out? You can see sometimes but they must be getting near the end of recording because they send people in to help yeah, them. Yeah, they do start yeah. to get hints if they are really floundering that, that <laughs> the regulars will come on and do some... I wonder if they give them an hour slot because an hour slot or, an, uh, or a 90-minute slot. Oh, it's got to be longer than an hour. 90 it's... minutes, would you say? I don't, know, I don't know. I imagine the Madeleine Smith, David Yip one. There's a lot of fade to blacks on some of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that um, one's worth watching, though. Yes. To get a good <laughs> comparison with some of the others. Yes. Much as we're knocking out Elizabeth, and then you, so you, you get all the way through all these, and then you have the vortex at the end, which is something else that people remember. Yeah. Or in series one, you have the Drogna game. Yes. Yes. Game. Yeah. That's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, isn't, isn't there one in series one where they because there's, there's a movable square that you can put on other squares, that's right, yes. and they put it on a square and step on it and get evapor evaporated, yeah, yeah. because yeah. that's not right, even with the square on top, that's yeah. cheating. And we, we have to pay sort of yeah. homage to, to the adventure game through uh, the five doctors, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah you've got the um, Herndall yeah. trying to jump across yeah. the board, easy as yeah. pie, easy as pie, the other way, that's what he said, yeah, he did, he said, easy as pie. Letter pie. Thank you. <laughs> but the, yeah, the vortex is, I think, the other thing that's remembered yeah. from it. Because you'd move, then the vortex would move, and if you stood on the vortex, you were evaporated. And the noise it makes. What's the noise it makes? It, um, <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> and then the, the we sort could of drop that in later. And then the sort of computery noise. Maybe we yeah, yeah. Beep, boop. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the vortex is clearly generated by BBC Micro at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, series two, um, we have to talk about briefly the end of series two. Yeah, oh, we where it goes say, weird. And we should say that Leslie Judson series two is the mole. Oh yes, Leslie Judson. Because when Patrick mole, Darling mole, go to your hole. welcomes them at the start, he tells them there's going to be a mole. One of you is one of the humans is a mole. He's on the side of the argons. Yeah. yeah. I would have thought it had been obvious though. It's the one that you find locked up. Well, uh, it's know. not though. It's one episode they find her out. Do they? Yeah. It's it's not, I can't remember which one it is, but. But yeah, end of series two, um, all of a sudden somebody gets evaporated, don't they? Mm. And then he turns into a galactic <laughs> policeman yeah. played by, who is it? Uh, it's Norman Norman Bird, Bird from Worst Gummage. Who's wearing a costume of one of the guards from the pirate planet, weirdly oh. enough. That sort of black studded thing with a with helmet. The helmet in the, mm. the eye guard, And the yeah. last five minutes or so, this goes a bit just weird. turned into a sort of weird drama, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And I do get the feeling, because they probably knew they weren't getting a series in the immediate future, where they, they thought, well, we'll do what we like for the last five minutes. You know, it's almost like it's like the final episode of The Prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, never mind the the game thing. We'll suddenly take it seriously and pretend this is real or something. It's very weird. Oh, one other sort of astronomy detail. I have to say that um, when you get the sort of wide shots of the vortex, they've CSO'd in a night sky mm. background, and it's um, a very nice picture of the Pleiades. Um, 
which is a star cluster in the constellation of Taurus, which um, is about 400 light years away from here, from the Earth. So they do say about many light years mm. away. So actually, they've got their astronomy fairly. And you said it changes right. as well for well, each series. The, the, each series is shown in a uh, different slot. The, well, um, the positions of the stars appear to change from different camera angles, but in different series but I don't mind that because of course the night sky changes anyway yeah. so that's all right I don't really don't worry, worry about that but yeah there's a lovely picture of the Pleiades um, on Wikipedia that you can zoom in on and you can see it's the same same mm. stars so that's nice so yeah we know where where Arg is it's about 400 all of Ar light years away Argo vision yeah Argo vision <laughs> oh we should talk about the series three decision to have children Phoning oh, in with oh, the presence no. of uncle, oh, which the, is the, the monosyllabic children. Yeah. Yes. gunpoint. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, there's this thing about the what was it the 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 rando wants this is, yeah, it's, it's his, his birthday. birthday. And they've got yeah. to choose a birthday present. Yeah, so it's, it's ideas for people to what what they should have what they should get. Yeah, which is not helping the contestants very much. No, it's nothing to you do just, with the show. You just don't have a clue. It's a filler, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I don't know quite what that's about. Um, oh, Ron Gad, we should say Ron about Gad. We should explain finally about yes. Ron Gad, why why we talked backwards Played briefly. by Bill Homewood. Bill Homewood. Who, yes. Hello, Bill Homewood. Yes. Um, who is on Twitter. This, and yes. if you're nice to him, he'll tweet you backwards. Oh, damn um, but he was able to speak backwards... When he was Allegedly, five. from the age of four, yeah. according to the yeah, there's an interview, brief interview in um, SFX magazine this yes, month about the adventure a little piece game, about it. Uh, which is well worth reading. Mm. Uh, but yes, he he comes in. He's an Australian, Ron Gad, and he'll come in singing "Waltzing Matilda" backwards, and he'll go "Ole, ole, ole," mm. um, Doogie Rev, Luffy Liss, <laughs> and all this stuff, which is "Hello, hello, hello." Uh, very good and mm. silly fool, and that's about the few I can, <laughs> I can work out. He did defeat the subtitlers on the discs because <laughs> <laughs> yes. we, we said, uh, "Wonder if they'll make an effort." Mm. And the subtitles read, "He sings waltzing Matilda backwards." Ole, said, ole, ole, ole. Yeah. He speaks backwards. <laughs> no, they did say hello, hello, hello. No, it says ole, ole, ole. Does it? Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. it does oh, actually right. say it backwards. Okay. I'll, sh I'll show you the, I'll show oh, you the no, no, no. screen grab. No, I believe we, you. We, we don't <laughs> later. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's another thing that sort of sticks in sticks in your head. That's what I meant. It says backward, hello backwards, so you can read it and, and work out what you're yes, saying. Yes, yes. I mean, but anything more than that, it just says talk, talks backwards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a few a few people get what he's doing, but some mm. people are utterly nonplussed yeah. by it. Mm. Yeah. And we should say we just watched the episode with um, Noel Edmonds. Oh, you said that, and he got evaporated. Noel we, Edmonds. We were yeah. quite pleased. We that. were all cheered about yeah. that. Yes, <laughs> but that's the joy of watching the adventure yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, it does it, it yeah. does start to involve you because it is this thing about <laughs> if you work out what they're, or even if you know, because sometimes you're told yeah. what they're supposed to do. <laughs> and they're doing it completely wrong. It, you do, you do think, what, what idiots, you know? Yeah. But as, as I said, you know, if if you were dropped in that situation with no clues at all, um, how well would any of us do? That's the thing. I mean, and, and the power you got to, um, you've got to put in your mindset. You're not in a television studio. No, you are going. No, through, it's on the planet. Yeah, and, you're on the planet. Yeah, and you're, you're, so you're stuck can, there unless you so you've until got you to escape. Buy into that yeah. as well. Yeah, to, and then do that and carry on yes i mean most people i think are are, are fairly focused on what they're doing yeah. so you know it's not you're not so sort just, of winking just, at the camera yeah, or anything to suspend that disbelief there's no knowing looks at the yeah. camera 
or sort of looking up at the sky to hope that the box will say something. Yeah. You know, they actually do buy into it. I mean, what was it you said, Lisa, if they did it now? They would have, probably have dumb get, it down a bit. Well... Yeah, but you, who you could get as guests. Yeah. That, that we so said. you'd have maybe Professor Brian Cox. Yeah. And Dar- maybe Dara Breen. Oh, yeah, you'd yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. And um, the member sorry. of the public, who would they be, Lisa? They'd be some sort of reality person. Somebody the orange. Pat yeah. orange. Yeah. Sorry, sure. <laughs> yeah. but, but you could but, also get maybe Merrick Cookula. Yeah. And Jim Alcalili. Yeah, they'd be good. Yeah. yeah. It's just finding. Uh, you just want one good sciencey person in yeah. there, I think. You don't, you don't want more than one. No, you'd have one per show. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd have a, maybe yeah, an actor or actress. M- more light entertainment yeah, or something and, like that. Um, well, is there such a thing as light entertainment these days? I don't know if is, yeah. and, and, and an orange person from a reality show. <laughs> but, but Warren, when did you get the Adventure Game disc? This few days ago? It was a few days ago. How and many I'm, have you done? Quite a few. Have you, have you done that, yeah, that half about, of it? About half of it, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> so it's one of those things you can put on that isn't heavy going. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I, I mean, they range from up sometimes. to about 45 minutes, some of them, yeah. because yeah. the running times are all over the place. Mm. Um, I, I do watch it at night, but it, I hasten to say it's not to make me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, you want, and you want to, oh, just have another one, because this is fun. This is yeah. absolute fun. But yeah, if you if you've never seen the adventure game yes well worth a punt i think yeah absolutely. buy the discs and watch it yeah. you might know who half the people are probably we've got a few so. more to see but uh, yes. yeah we, we've we've done quite a few recently right yeah. i think we'll uh we'll stop there but now i think we'll hand over to mr nick goodman who's mm-hmm. going to have a discussion about children of the stones right. which is, okay. which is yes. uh, well worth happy day yes indeed and now i'll put in some hgv music Okay. okay. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh, well, no, 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 I'm supposed to say it. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking to the listeners. I was going to say I'm talking to the viewers, <laughs> yeah. but there's not much to view. We are, we are on location in Salisbury. Well. Not in the middle of Salisbury, yeah, are we? Well, no. there's, there's cars going there. past. There's cars going past. So but we're not on some sort of traffic island. No. <laughs> but we're, we're in Mr. Nick Goodman's living room. Yes. Where you do your living. I do my living. <laughs> <laughs> you don't make your living. No, no. <laughs> but we thought we'd have a sort of general natter about 70s telefantasy Ooh, let's today. Because yes. that's one of your pet subjects. Yes. yes. And... Um, First, in the out of the trap, as it were, <laughs> uh, your trap, Children of the Stones. Oh now, yes. t- tell us why we should watch Children of the Stones. Why you should watch it is because um, it is full of atmosphere, research. Um, it's just a, a wonderful piece of um, telefantasy. And I, I've used that word, <laughs> telefantasy. Well, give us some context. Some 1977? Context. 1977, right at the beginning of 1977. Um, if if I may divert slightly, I was uh, first time I saw it was in Lookin, uh, which was the ITV um, kiddies thing, uh, the, uh, which t- told you about TV and the, what was what was coming up. And I remember seeing a picture of uh, Freddie Jones kind of carrying away from one of the stones, and I thought, "Oh, this looks quite exciting." And I was up for anything sort of science fictiony or adventurey or weird. But- I was um, going to say, filming is in Avebury, which is. isn't too far up the road from no. here. And I, so it's I, quite a local thing. I, I don't know if I ever watched it with my mum, because she would have been probably working at the time. But I definitely, um, I wasn't 
aware until about a couple of years later just how local Avery was. Mm. I literally was a, 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 a short spin in, in the car, mm. and um, it's you can tell it's the summer of '76 because everything, everything looks so bronzed and warm <laughs> and everything, and it just looks like a beautiful place to film, and it is, and it hasn't changed. Because where does this fit in? This is Gareth Thomas yes. as the sort of main, as one of mm. the main actors, and it's got to be just before he. It's exactly Blake. It's well. It was exactly. It was a year before Blake. Yeah. So he started filming Blake in '77. Right. So and he would have shot this in '76. Oh, right. okay. yeah. So it's pre, it's pre Blake by a year. Yeah. Um, but no, he he. Um, it was an exciting, intriguing series, and I can still. It's difficult to kind of put it into words, but I I I I just remember coming home from school, which is literally just up the road from <laughs> he's here, pointing right? out the window yeah that's right uh, we are now only yards away from where i went to school there um and yeah i mean it was it was the kind of it was a very familiar kind of thing of kids running the show and well no, not running the show but as part of the central thrust of the story and and the sort of intrigue that but there was something else about it and i have to rush to my one of my central points of, of admiration for the show and that's Sidney Sager's very chilling music and mm. it chilled me then it chills me now um, I can remember at least two nightmares that I had regarding Children's Stones and it's an absolute credit to the man that both of them had then his music his sort of <laughs> pagan chanting it, music it's meant it, to be sort of neolithic it is. music isn't yes. it and there's something very sort of primitive yes and something it. very threatening um, and it's used absolutely amazingly in the show because any little bit sometimes even a mundane thing about like the boy in part two looking at the the, the picture and then the scene is actually sends a shiver down your spine because of his reaction and music and the whole kind of thing where the picture comes to life I and mean, it's it's simple things but it's incredibly effective um, written by Jeremy Burnham and Trevor Ray Jeremy Ray who was the script editor for Doctor Who so he's come from where well, there's an awful lot of well-researched um, astronomics and, and scientific bits mm. and also the history. So there's been an awful lot of depth gone into in the background, which gives it enormous gravitas. And so I've, it's there's something that endures very well because it, it gives you a lot of information whilst at the same time um, presenting you with something. It's also it's a very recognisable place it's where you might spend a summer holiday with your friends or whatever and um and the, and the whole thing with the the school swats and the school <laughs> it, it's something that you can really identify with i don't think i actually saw it on first transmission which is yeah. you know yeah uh, big omission on my part but yeah. it's one of those shows i think that if you were a kid watching at the time it stuck with you because there was a documentary on the radio that was I, recently I, wasn't yes there? Um, and, and it was Stuart Lee, I think, presenting yes. it. And, and one of the uh, very telling things about that was they, the cast were saying that they never, they didn't realise it was going to be as good as it was mm. when they saw it. Um, and I think that's a credit, really, to the production team. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot of sort of kids' telly fantasy series and serials at, at that time, and they're all aiming yeah. pretty high, I think. They are. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the goalposts were aimed high there. I mean, you know, and it also didn't talk down to the kids. Um, the only one I didn't see really at the time was Sky. Mm. Um, and I, I saw Sky, that, I, don't, I don't know at yeah. all. No. I saw that 15 years ago and was actually really disappointed. <laughs> I, it didn't have any of the kind of 
um, I, I hesitate to use the word magic, but quality mm. um, uh, that Children of the Stones had because it, it, it was lots of film work. Yes. Um, very atmospherically shot, very expertly shot. Um, edited, you know, it's kind of the whole, as I say, again, mixed with music. It's just a beautiful blend. You've got some quality actors like Ian Cuthbertson giving a really yeah. powerful performance, Freddie Jones being amazing. And it's just, you, you wouldn't get people of that caliber. I mean, somebody like John Woodnut, he just pops, pops yes. up and just plays a butler for and, a few minutes, doesn't and, he? And, and you, you can eat your dinner off his performance because he's just, he's polished as ever. There's the story of, I think, John Woodnut used to tell about, um, what was it, they, they they had to bring some fake stones with oh, them. Oh, yes, and an they? American tourist leant against one and yeah, had absolute hysterics because she thought she'd sort of busted this thing that had been there for <laughs> millions of years. Um, but um, no, I mean that's it. Looks it, that's the other thing. It's very, as well as being very scary and very interesting and intriguing, it's actually very pleasant to watch yes. as well because you've got the whole of that beautiful countryside and and all of the stones and everything. And it's just it brings it all back to me that mm. first showing of it, and it, they showed it again in the summer of seventy eight. Um, but what with, with the scary bits though? I mean, again, accompanied by Sydney. Um, <laughs> But um, it's just simple things like the the die running away, you know, when when his amulet, um, die being the tramp in it, when his amulet breaks, uh, protecting, uh, breaking his protection, and he rolls down the hill, and the kids go to run to it, and in its place is a stone. Oh, and yes, I assume yes, he turned yes. into a stone. Yeah, and and that freaked the hell out of me. <laughs> and again, that that we had a Spanish lad called Herbie in our class at the time. I was in the first year in the junior school, and. Um, I had a, a dream about him turning into a stone, and that was even before the last episode, where they where they oh, right. kind of do. That's right, spoiler. Oh. <laughs> spoiler, sweetie. Um, and where they're all turning in, you know, and and, um, and that was a sort of um, go in with mum kind of <laughs> nightmare, you know, the last recorded one. But uh, but no, and then that was that was re that really freaked me out, yeah. and the last episode freaked me out as well with the with the whole kind of scenario. Oh, but you kept watching. Because it was just sheer brilliance, mm. and years later, I had a. I think when I first got the video, I think I got it quite late. Um, I, I had a dream that I was at work, and suddenly everything stopped, and, and Sydney Sagers, <laughs> <laughs> and that was what ninety nine. And so, oh, wow. uh, you know, you really—it's a great shame. You, there's no, it doesn't appear to be a, a sort of proper release of his music because he does—he does this and he does Into the Labyrinth and, as well and King of the Castle and, on King of the Castle, yeah, yeah. which with, he really does get down on the organ, you know, <laughs> when, especially when the Fulton Mackay scenes, you know, and the angles and everything. So he, he again, he adds an atmosphere and, and like you say, Into the Labyrinth. Yeah, um, but uh, fantastic stuff, but very. You know, I, I, I used to be quite a nervous kid, so if there was a, it was a scary bit coming up, I know it was coming up. I'd, I'd be worried I would scare. Even, I mean, it's just so brilliantly edited as well because you've got a scene with Hendrick, uh, Ian, Hen Ian Cuthbertson as Hendrick and Gareth Thomas in the pub, and they're having a talky scene. It's all gone mm. cryptic. And suddenly this Morris dancing dragon goes... Oh, yes, and yes, that, yes. That never fails I, to... I know that, yeah. Even now, uh, 40 years on, that never yeah, fails to make me jump. Thing, yeah. You know, suddenly it's... <laughs> and um, I'm sure that was deliberate. And um, again, you had a team that knew what they were doing, didn't talk down to kids. And I have, I have also, quickly to say, um, it's interesting, Trevor Ray. Now, 
he was in a lot of the early well he was in early poetry but he actually scripted a lot of the early poetries um, which had a course of um, a lot of scientific kind of thing and um, I just wonder because I often with ambassadors particularly as I know that's quite a hybrid I always try and guess the bits that were written by oh, who wrote what yes yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. what like Carrington is a very Hulk character um, Regan is a very Whitaker character and all the scientific bits about rocket fuel and, and sort of if you do this you do that and oh, the G fourth and everything I do wonder whether that came from Trevor Ray because oh, he does know. he seems to be very scientifically and historically up yeah uh, he seems to know what he's talking about on on Children of the Stones uh, well they both do obviously um, but also um, so I, I do wonder whether he brought that somewhat with him and it's interesting hearing him in interviews because he's sort of saying Mac Hulk was a bit of a hack and <laughs> uh, he obviously was very frustrated with the standard of the script yes. and as with a lot of actors turned writers he said I can do better than I can that. do that yeah. and so he, he went for it with Children of the Stones I have to say also two, two other things whilst we're talking about Children of the Stones um Return to the Stones is the book that they did. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, they did. Well, they uh, did return to this for some bizarre reason, sort of fictional universe. Yes. at some point, children. Um, Trevor Ray doesn't seem to have been involved in it. No. Um, for some strange reason. When did that come out? Um, was, it was just before we moved here. So I was like, going to say it's uh, fairly, about five fairly years, recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. four or five years ago. Um, I enjoyed it, but it it didn't quite have because it could go anywhere and it didn't ha it didn't have the budget. You, you know, you, you you weren't constricted by budget. It rather spoiled it in a way because the credibility. Um, that was the other thing about Children of the Stones, because it was based in history, because it was so recognisable a place that you might go with your your mum and dad for for a day. Um, it you you never doubted for one moment that this these things could actually happen to the extent that we had a Zimbabwean housemate when the, the Ali bought me the, the the DVD when it came out and we actually watched the last episode with her mm -hmm. and she got the chronology of the story mixed up and a she thought the beginning was with sort of like in the in the way the same way there's a loop fa oh, yes, factor yes, in yes. the story but she also did think that it was a it was a, a real well, a fictional version of a real event. She oh, right. really did think these people turned into stone. Oh, wow. And because of that power, I mean, um, it was quite amazing. And um, so, yes, I mean, so it's still got a potency even now. And I think it's just, it's so based in in reality. With the book, it was, with the other book, uh, the, the one that came out, the sequel, it was worth it, as with the legacy of Reginald Perrin. Uh, it was worth it to see the old characters back yes. and see if they're all right and see how they're getting on. And of course, there was it was there was eco warriors and emails and things like that. But uh, the story went into kind of alieny and, mm. and sort of uh, no, this it is much more believable to have a black hole and someone manipulating the all the sort of bits. Uh, of it than than sort of <laughs> green-eyed monsters or something. It it, it every sci-fi show pitches at the different level, uh, at their own level of credibility. Mm. If like Doctor Who, you 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 can you can have alien one day and, and some sort of atmosphere pieces the next. Only Doctor Who has ever really successfully switched from one to the other. So if you've got Blake Seven, you know you're going to get space opera. Yeah, yeah. The occasional alien, but sometimes they go clunk. Um, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> which incidentally I actually rather like but I know I, I do realise it's got a crap monster in it 
Um, but um, and you get either sapphire and steel, for example, if mm. an alien monster came came lumbering in. But, <laughs> you, you do get them a bit in the annuals. Yeah, oh, there's, yes. there's some dreadful robots in some of those annuals. <laughs> but that's obviously written by people by somebody without else, yeah. a finger on the ethos of yes, the show, yes, yes. Or, or at least had, had not very. It's not real because it's well. not on the telly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but and, and you have these these pitches, and I think the pitch of uh, Children of the Stones is what gives it its um, verve. Really, I, I, it really, really is quite nice. It's interesting because they did. Uh, Burnham and Ray did Raven. Uh, oh yes, we've seen Raven. Yes, yes, yes. later on in the year. Uh, now I can, for some bizarre reason, I can only remember watching two episodes of Raven. I have no memory of seeing it. No, I literally I've just got yeah. those two. Which, considering how keen I was on Children of the Stones, is actually rather strange. Um, but I watched. I think we bought the 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 disc about five years ago. Maybe not quite so long. And. Um, it was good, but mm. I think it wasn't. It didn't have the same. It brought something different to the table, but it it didn't quite work for me. I I thought it was. It tried to be sort of um, ecological, yeah, um, and topical, uh, whereas it should have just let the story lead. Um, and I, I, it was too ish, a little bit too issue based. It was still full of intrigue, and also I don't think the production values were quite so. As, yes, you can tell not, it's a bit cheaper. Yes, yes yeah. Um, and it's interesting because Michael Hart directed and he did the the Space Pirates, which was apparently <laughs> also done on the cheap. But um, it's interesting. Yes, all the it's all OB video mm, work. Yes, whereas there's lashings of lovely uh, fill the film that's right it's almost as if I said well we can give you another series but we got no money got, we got no money yeah so uh, dear old Raven I do, I do like it but it's it's nowhere near tippity top or, yeah. or, or as gripping as, as children Thank you to Nick. Yes, for thank his you, Nick. That was a very interesting uh, lovely interview. Lovely piece. And we're pleased to say that Nick will be back next time. He will. With more. He's H- not got stuck in the stones. With more uh, telefantasy stuff yes. from the 70s. Yes. Um, I just have a confession to make. Do you? Mm. Okay. I, ca- I couldn't work out the Drogna right. Okay. <laughs> the adventure game. After thing. all that working out on your fingers, and I you got know. It wrong. I, I said a green. Uh, pentagon was 25 that's wrong a green pentagon is 20 a blue pentagon is 25 okay yeah we have seen a few more uh, adventure games since we recorded that haven't we, we? Have, yes. mostly season three ones three ones yes so yes. which i like apart from the dragon game oh you don't like the dragon no, game it's what, just the pointless. red salamander thing it's not that it's just them not being able to decide what colour or shape they should choose yeah. and then there's just a lot that, of that faffing did be, that did become a a uh, computer game for the BBC Micro. Yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah. 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 But hey, um, but we've seen Janet Fielding, um, Bonnie Langford, and 
Sandra Dickinson. And Sandra Dickinson. Was it Sandra Dickinson one where they just didn't even get there in time and they missed it out completely? Yeah, but they, they, seem the to circ- they seem to circumvent various bits yeah, of the format. Bonnie in Bonnie Langford one, there's the bit with the egg and they the They turn up too shit. late. No, that wasn't Bonnie Langford. Was no, they did the one. Bonnie Langford did it because she yeah. was doing the thing and. Um, yeah. Somebody at Chris Oh, Hume's Martha's on. wailing. What's the matter, Mama? Martha, wail, wail, wail. Anyway. Um, yes. So, but yeah. So. But yeah, we've just got some season three and four ones to finish off, and yes, then we'll be we've we're done season. with the adventure yes. game. Yes. But, we should yeah. probably slow down a bit, yeah. otherwise. Um, but now um, that rousing bit of music, Elkley yes. Moorbar Tat. Yes. Um, it's a lovely piece of music, it but is. it 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 does um, sort of signal the fact we do have something rather sad to talk about now. It's yes. the loss of John Noakes. John Noakes. Yes. Um, Yes, we've lost two TV legends yeah, recently. The other yeah. one being Brian Kant, who we will talk about on the yeah, next Brian issue. Yeah, Brian Kant will do on the next issue. To make sure we can give him the maximum Yeah, we want to do a, a proper piece for Brian Kant, yeah. but we want to do a proper piece for John Noakes as yes. well, don't we? Yeah. Because um, he's, again, one of these presenters at the core of certainly my childhood. Yeah, yeah. mine too. Um, Even though watching it and looking at what he did, I, I don't know what I, what I would have seen him in mm. because I'm a bit too young to have seen him in Blue Peter because yeah. I was only five when he left. Um, but it was probably in Going Oaks. Mm. But again, that finished in 1980, mm. but I would have been 18 in yeah. 1980, so I suppose I might have seen him in that. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're talking about go with Noakes in a minute and later on we want to look at a thing that John Noakes actually did some acting in which yes. is the series Red Cat yeah. from 1964 yeah, which is because uh, John like Peter was actually was an, an actor, actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. not not really a presenter as no. such but um, it, let's, let's just rewind a bit mm-hmm. and, and and talk about John's life before before Blue Peter yes um John Noakes was not his birth name. Right. He was right. John Bottomley. Mm-hmm. Um, came from Halifax, mm-hmm. Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, but his parents divorced um, and he lived with his grandmother and joined the RAF as a mechanic. Right. And then his mother married a Canadian trumpeter called Alfie Noakes. Okay. Alfie Noakes, you may know if you know yeah. your um, Derek and Clive sketches. Right. It's a familiar name. I'm not sure it's the same, same Alfie Noakes. No, meant to be. it probably just sounds like a good name. Um, but um, John sort of went into sort of rep acting um, and he didn't get a huge number of parts it has to, no. has to be said certainly not on television there's no. a few there's a few things listed on yeah, imdb it's about eight things yeah um, red cap is very early on in his career 1964 yeah. and he's not mm-hmm. got a huge part in that but as no. i said we'll get to that in a, in a bit yeah but he joins blue peter now when does he join blue peter, he blue peter. now oh, we've got in... a book here we better just plug the book yeah it's... the book is richard marson's Blue Peter 50th Anniversary. Which is obviously a little bit out of date. Which eh? is uh, a few years ago now. But it's got, it's a fantastic reference work because it's got profiles on all, all the presenters. I think it's, yes. Actually, quite scarily, they're coming up for the 60th anniversary next year. Oh yes, is it? Right. But but when did John join? John um, is at the top there. December nineteenth. Uh, 30th December nineteen sixty five. And he stays till and he stays till the twenty sixth of June nineteen seventy eight. That's uh, so tw- almost that makes 12 him years. a very very long he's running. He's a substantial 
That's why so many people remember him fondly, because he's there for such a long time. But there's a lovely little note in this book um, about what was happening around December 1965. The head of family programmes, Doreen Stevens, quote, asked the BBC to authorise an increase of £50 per show to fund a third presenter. Explaining that the show had found a very promising man, John Noakes. He is young, attractive, unaffected, and a complete contrast to Christopher Trace. Mm-hmm. Um, but things didn't start off that Sorry, well, well. With, no. with with John in, nervous, in Blue Peter. Um, like I think most of us would be if we were thrown yeah, into that, that situation, situation with no presenting experience. Yeah. Um, there, there's a quote in in the in the piece. It says, "This glass eye, the camera stripped me naked. I shook with fear. The voice tremoring as I said the words. The first few months were quite terrifying. I went through murder. I went to a hypnotist and a faith healer to try and get me out of it. And they nearly dropped him from the show. They did, yeah, for the first year. Um, so. but he got round it through." falling back on his acting career yeah basically yeah and he sort of evolved into john noakes the blue peter presenter yes who was a bit of an idiot frankly yes, yes. <laughs> um he sort of played it for laughs a bit and he, yeah. he becomes a sort of um sort of slightly bumbling i think the thing is isn't it mm-hmm. that things go wrong when he he would make stuff or do do recipes and things like that and and that was a his secret of coping with yeah. it because he was playing a character. He, played a character not himself. he wasn't being himself on camera. Mm. Uh, and b that was very appealing to the children. to the to the kids. Mm. I think. Um, so, you know, I I remember seeing John. My my Blue Peter period is John Oakes, Leslie Judd. Um, Peter Purvis mm-hmm. I do remember Valerie Singleton coming in a bit because she used to do a sort of she used to narrate film things yeah, even, even a bit later yeah. Well, she, she, yeah I do remember Valerie well, isn't she involved in because on one of I think it's on the um the Romans DVD there's a blue oh, yes, section yes, on Pompeii yes yes yeah yeah um, I think Romans, the Az, she does something on one of the Aztecs, Aztecs as well yeah, yeah. yeah. but we never got to meet John Noakes did we no. uh, I remember I mean we've met Peter Purvis yeah, a few yeah. few times yeah, at Doctor Who Doctor things. things yes. You um, score one up on me though, in that you did meet Valerie Singleton though, didn't well, you? You Go say meet. Tell us your Valerie Singleton. You say meet. I say encounter. show. Encounter. What yeah. happened? She, where were you? She, I was at work where? in for a well-known um, supermarket. Super, but where was it? In Sherborne, Sherborne. in Dorset. Right. And uh, a lady came up to me and asked me if I could show her where the chilled soup was. <laughs> and it was only as I was taking her to where the chilled soup was that I realised it was Valerie Singleton. Right. Um, and my impression of her is that she was very polite. She thanked me nicely. Mm-hmm. And um, she was quite small. Well, you're quite small. Well, yeah, but she was a Was she smaller seven, than you? Uh, possibly. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But yeah, she was nice. Yeah. She was... Actually, I, I, I don't know what it is about that show, but I met a couple of other well-known people there as well okay so it was obviously a haunt for the celebrities we'll we'll return to those stories later i think at some point um but john um you know he was the daredevil wasn't he he? was he got to do all the so he got to do all the completely dangerous stuff you probably 
wouldn't even be allowed to do no it's only not climbing i mean there's the infamous clip of the elephant of course in the studio but then there's why don't we send john up nelson's column yeah yeah. Though it has to be said, the cameraman's fairly in a fairly yeah, dangerous yeah. position with that as well. he's actually below him as well, yeah. isn't he? So, um, yeah. You've got the bobsleigh incident. Crest to run yeah. stuff. Yeah. Where he got very badly hurt. Yeah. He's all he, bruised, he, isn't he? He came off the bobsleigh, didn't he? And sort of skid down it yeah. or something. Because isn't yeah. that the story that he had his wife's knickers on, yeah, allegedly? Yeah, he didn't have something? any pants on or something. I don't know what and, it was. and Biddy Baxter said, oh, we want you to, you know, the children would like to see your bruises. And yeah. he's like, oh, okay. Have you got clean knickers on, love? <laughs> and he nicked her black lacy knickers. <laughs> Luckily, you couldn't really tell what they were. They yeah. just looked Was back. it his wife's drawers, yes. I think? Yes, I think yeah. it was. Uh, but you know, you, you'd always enjoy seeing John Noakes. I think he was yeah, one he was of those seventies presenters yeah, that never disappointed. I no. think, um, no. and we played the music earlier. Mm. Uh, the music is "Go with Noakes." So mm. John is—I was going to say unique, but I realised that he's not. In that he gets a spin-off yeah. series no, of his cause, own because Peter Duncan got one as well. Yes, Duncan, Duncan Dares. Well, I remember that as well. But go with Noakes. Now, we've just watched one back, and it's yes. the one about rugby. Yes. Castleford rules okay. Mm-hmm. And I've come I've come to the sort of realisation that, as a kid, I watched Go With Noakes. Right. But watching it back as, a, as an adult, I'm thinking, well, why on earth did I watch Go With Noakes? Because it was all about sporty things. <laughs> and as a kid, I loathed sporty things. You still do. I still do. Um, but it's like rugby and canoeing and all this sort yeah. of athletic stuff that just scares me. Mm. It's just horrible memories of PE teachers. Watching it back, I realised, but I watched it as a kid because it was John Noakes. Yeah, and that's the and only for John, for John to get me to watch sporty things, yeah, quite, that, a, that, quite a thing. That's probably the biggest tribute I can give him. Because yeah. <laughs> anybody else, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't go near that. As I said to you earlier, it's telling me that <coughs> I, me. I watched Going Oaks. I'm not quite sure when, <laughs> but I don't think I watched stuff that Peter Purvis did afterwards, like Stopwatch and, and mm. um, Kickstart. Kickstart. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Was that one called Stopwatch or I just made that up? St- oh, I, I need to look that up. Oh, later. I might just made that up. Uh, no, no, there was a thing called Stopwatch. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, John's sort of personality was, was I think, very disarming that Mm. you know i said about you know hectoring pe teachers because there's there's a there's a bloke in the go with notes that we watched who's sort of chivying them on he's like the the coach or something like that Mm -hmm. and had john had that sort of personality um i wouldn't i wouldn't have touched that series with a barge pole no uh Mm. but it but it's that um it's that sort of disarming Mm. thing that Mm. that he had really well that Mm -hmm. You know, I'd watch him doing anything, really. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, 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 it's, it's a shame that he seemed to become disillusioned with television in sort of ages and, and, and moved away from it, didn't he? He moved and lived in uh, abroad in, I think it was Mallorca or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a story about that later yeah. as well. We, we, we are very pleased that we've got a couple of um, sort of pieces from sort of various people about John. We've got one coming up from our friend Paul in a minute, um, just about just about meeting him you yeah. see that, that's all it is because i think yeah. paul's slightly too young to yes. to, to, to he's rem- a year younger than me so. to, to remember yes um but again we we we've put up on mm. facebook that we're, we're going to do 
um, a piece about John Noakes. Um, the admirable Iggins, I should point out, mentions that he wrote a book, mm-hmm. um, a novel for children. For children. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the Flying Clog? The Flying Clog. Yes. <laughs> I've never is... heard of this. The Flight of the Magic Clog. Yeah, I have uh, actually downloaded it. Yeah, but you've my just Kindle. downloaded this because because so, it's been pointed see. out to yeah. us. But there you are, Flight of the Magic Clog by John Noakes from 1979. Mm. So that'll be interesting to look at. Mm. But we've also got another book, um, which is Dear Blue Peter, which is a collection of letters sent in from kids. Because the whole point point Mm. about Blue Peter was that watching it as a kid... Mm. The you presenter, the presenters were your friends, yeah, and you so could you, get would, you would you yeah. would write in. I never te- did. Well, neither did I. No. But there's an awful lot of people in this book yeah, that did. That You'd write in to the presenters and tell them, well, your news basically. Mm-hmm. There's a very good example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just hold the book, okay. And it's a very simple letter, and I think mm-hmm. it sums it up very very well. And it mm-hmm. just reads, "Dear John." We had a frog in our garden. Love from Mark, age six. <laughs> they just wanted to tell you That's John all Hope it is. On the television that they had a that's frog in the garden. all the letter is. Well, there's a drawing of... Well, I think that's a frog. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure. It's a very poor drawing. It's really dreadful. Um, but the fact well, this, that this, the this, this kid yeah. just wanted to tell his friend John... Who he'd seen on the television. Who he'd seen on the telly. talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. We had a frog, yeah, and that 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 was that was that's all nice. that was. Yeah. I yeah. think that's one that I think that sums John Noakes yeah. Yeah. up and his relationship with mm-hmm. the with the audience mm-hmm. up very well. I mean, you occasionally get these Blue Peter bits on the Doctor Who discs, don't yeah. you? Um, so yeah. you you've got the Daleks in when the Daleks were stolen. Yeah, that's mostly good purpose. Though, yeah, and um, they're trying to get the Dalek they, when they recovered. They're trying to get them on the back of the trolley uh, of, of the the, the van. Truck, yeah. <laughs> and Noakes is uh, being silly. Yeah. Um, you've also got Shep encountering K nine. K nine. I mean, we have to talk about Shep. Shep. Oh yeah, that, lovely Shep. You know John's relationship with Shep. Yeah. I'm not really a dog people. Dog people. A dog person. <laughs> I'm much more of a cat person. Yes. It has to be said. Yes. But you know Shep. Shep was lovely. He was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. John's relationship with Shep was, 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 was wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, John leaves in 1978, um, and there's there's a letter here, dear John Noakes. It is a pity that you are leaving Blue Peter, spelt with two e's, mm-hmm. because Mummy and I do not like changes. Love from Stephen Timothy West, and that's all it is. Yeah. So again. Uh, somebody was yep. moved, moved enough to, to 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 write in yeah. and just to tell John that um, no, we'll miss you. Yeah. And, and that, Are you getting that cover up again? No, I have to talk about this <laughs> this annual cover, and I ca- I can't remember what it's the oh it's the fifteenth book. I'd need to work out what the year that is. Well, but it's, it, it's, it's Peter. Kind of it's Peter Leslie Judd, Leslie Judd. and right, John in circus like sort of acrobat trapeze costume yeah, sort acrobat. of thing yeah. that's really and <laughs> John has got this open chest leotard thing on yeah, I'm not even sure, sure he has got tights on no he has got no look at his knees they are wrinkled unless John Noakes had wrinkled legs he has got actually okay, yeah right. they are wrinkled tight and this sort of 
posing page thing on. It's a cod face, isn't it? Is it? And the letter that somebody's written in is, John Noakes appears to be very scantily, two L's, clad, is Blue Peter lowering its standards? <laughs> that's, that's just... Noticeable that Peter Post has gone, I'm not wearing that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Noakes has gone, I'll wear anything. Yeah. But um, well, what's the what's the one about the pomlet as well? Oh, it, right, yeah, the child had never eaten an omelet. A po- well, a pomlet. Is, is that it? a pomlet? I don't Can know. Can you find it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> let, me, let me just find it. It's all right. I'll carry on. But yeah, so, somebody's. Because, um, you know, John would occasionally get to do Cooking. recipes and mm. things things like that. And it, inevitably it would go a bit wrong. Yes. But um, there's one here. October 70, I think it's 74, yes. <laughs> Dear John, I enjoyed your pomlet. It might it might be a pom- it might be a pomlet. They might have done something weird, I don't know. <laughs> I enjoyed your pomlet very much. We are having the lemon special tomorrow from Edward Robinson, age five. five. And there's a, there's a note. Dear John, for five years I've tried to persuade Edward to try an omelette without success. You managed it in five minutes. Blue Peter is great. Mrs. Robinson Peterborough. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and I think that really is it. Yeah. That John Noakes was your friend. Yes. And if he told you stuff... You believed it. Yeah. yeah. And you wanted to we, talk we, to him. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that I think that's John John yeah. Noakes' persona, yes, in a nutshell, really. Yes. So now we're just going to have a brief word from Paul about meeting uh, John in real life, mm-hmm. and then we've got a, another piece from somebody else. So yeah. back in a second. Hello, this is me, Paul Chandler, Shayetti. I have a little story about meeting John Noakes, but I don't have any sort of. Well, it's a very normal <laughs> anecdote in a way. Um, strange circumstance, but uh, basically, I think this was about 1991. I was on holiday with my parents in Mallorca. From what I understand, John Noakes and his wife Vicky have lived in Mallorca for years. And, well, one way or another, I don't know how it came about, but they were offering walks around the island close to where we were staying and uh, all I can really remember is that my mum and I went on two of the walks the first one John was definitely there too I'm not sure he came on the second walk but um, and you know I most certainly didn't dare ask anything to do with Blue Peter or anything like that Um, all I can remember is that he was really nice she was really nice and um, you know they were nice people to be around and you know the walks were you know a couple of hours through some lovely countryside in Mallorca and uh, we liked it enough to go back the second day and the fact that it was, <laughs> the fact that it was John Noakes and his wife was almost irrelevant because they were just two nice people and I was only about 18 at the time I remember I just remember getting on really well with them and really that's all I've got to say about it it's such a long time ago now I I really can't remember any particular anecdote but on the other hand it was one of those nice experiences i was certainly aware of who john noakes was and uh, so whereas my brother would have been too young to have known him on the telly but uh, yeah it was just nice so yeah i just thought i'd share that little memory 
Thank you very much for that, Paul. Yes, thank that, you, that, Paul. That, that, I just like all these personal bits that um, you know people, people that we know. Yeah. When when they meet these people, mm-hmm. you know what what it mean means to them. Um, in fact, um, the flight of the magic clog. I should have said that uh, Peter Crocker said he's still got his signed copy. He signed my sister's copy, Love Noki. Which is so sweet. <laughs> and I, I, I just thought that was lovely. Mm. Um, I just Again, that makes him sound like your mate. Yeah, John was your mate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but now, uh, briefly again, we've got a, a phone-in piece. We've, yes. n- we've never had a phone-in piece before. This is a first. So yes. this was a bit of an experiment. Yes. But we're very pleased to have a, a phone-in piece from none other than Richard Marson, yeah. Um, editor, former editor, former editor of Blue Peter, yes. uh, just who's who's um, just going to talk briefly about what John meant to him as a kid, yeah. and working with him in in later life as as yes. the editor of the show. Mm-hmm. So, extreme thanks to Richard for this because yes. it, it's yeah. just lovely to have this piece. So. And Matt West for and Matt West for organising it. Organising it. Yes. yes. So over to Richard, and uh, we, we now pass you over to the phone. Yes. Back soon. Bye. Bye. Hello. Uh, we're very pleased to be joined by Richard Marson, who's on the phone, on a, on a phone connection. <laughs> so, and he's just going to talk to us very briefly about his memories of John Noakes, both as a, as a child and as working with him. So, hello, Richard. Thank you for joining us. Well, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll just have to see. <laughs> but you um, are about the same age as me, I think. And when were you born? 60? Let's not go into details now. I was, yeah, I was born in 66. So oh, slightly older than me then. Um, I, like you, though, would have been part of the audience watching the kind of classic era of Blue Peter. Yeah, N- Noakes, Purvis and um, Judd are my sort of yeah, same period of, of, of Blue. I do, I do vaguely remember Val, but more from show yes for me it was no purpose and Leslie Judge who were my kind of core team but but what made what made John such a perfect fit for Blue Peter do you think well it's interesting isn't it because he, he had a very disastrous start on Blue Peter I mean for the first 18 months he was so out of his depth and didn't know what he was doing they very very nearly dropped him um, and eventually I think what happened what clicked was that he'd been an actor like most of the Blue Peter presenters um, and he suddenly kind of devised this character who was him, but like a heightened version of him. Didn't, didn't exaggerating aspects of his personality. And that's what kind of became the famous John Noakes. But of course it meant that he had a sort of split personality because the real man was much more kind of private and introverted than the TV version. Well, didn't he refer to it as the idiot Noakes or something? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, he worked out, I think, that kids really loved kind of the joker the one that slipped on the banana skin the one that messed up the mage you know it's made him very lovable and he did that so well i mean i think he had a a pretty good idea of what was going on certainly by the time the sort of 70s rolled around um but he knew that if you are the clown you kind of probably get more of the applause and also of course he had the double act with the dog and on blue peter it was always a case where of, of sort of love my love my dog love me and I think he benefited from that because he had such a brilliant relationship with Shep, yeah. who he used like a straight man in a comedy double act. <laughs> now, as as a as a kid watching at home, 
Did you ever actually write into the show? Oh, yeah. I won a Blue Peter badge in 1972. Oh. My brother and sister, we all entered a, a competition. And I'd still got the, you know, the BBC envelope and letter. I decided the badge went AWOL many, many years ago. But um, uh, it, it was quite a moment, as you can imagine. <laughs> I must admit, I never actually... I did. I never actually did write in. I knew a few people at school. I know because I remember somebody bringing their blue Peter badge in and being very proud about it. But well, I, can I just quickly tell you? I've just been yeah. making a series in a secondary school in Sheffield, and um, I noticed one day that one of the eleven-year-old kids was wearing a blue Peter badge, and I thought, in the twenty-first century, how amazing is that? And when I asked about it, she was as proud as I would have been all those years before, uh, or your friend at school would have been. It's an extraordinary currency. But yeah, I mean your your career went into television itself, and eventually yeah. you ended up working on the show. Now, can we just just Sorry to interrupt you, Andrew? Yeah, Blue Peter was really a major part of why I went to TV. Yes, I, I was going. I was going to say how how important was Blue Peter? Hugely. I mean, I I happened to see. I was skiving off. I should been revising for my A levels. I was skiving off one afternoon and watching a Blue Peter, in which they went behind the scenes on the show. And I watched this film, and I thought, I've, that's just such an amazing program, because it's, you've got the live shows, you've got the foreign filming, you've got the ability to do everything from history to gardening to, you know, big action things. You know, it seemed to me to be a kind of ultimate, you know, chocolate box of a job where you could just do whatever you like, as long as you could make it exciting and interesting for kids. You could sort of do anything. And so I, I kind of always knew that that's sort of where I wanted to end up, and eventually I was lucky enough to get get in there. That's a lot of trying. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you eventually got to meet the real John Noakes. Did you feel that you you met the real John Noakes, or were you still yes. meeting yes, the I the did, character? Actually, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that he uh, he absolutely didn't do the Noakes that you see on screen off screen when you had a conversation with him or when you were I produced the program in which we dug up the boxes of the year 2000 for instance and you know that was quite an operation getting him involved in that because by then he lived um, abroad um, and also he had a kind of tricky relationship program fallen out with Biddy Baxter and so on so you know it had to be handled with quite a lot of sensitivity and he was a very thoughtful quite morose you know like I think a lot of performers their private side is if not depressive, it's it's quite, as I say, introverted. So I think he was an interesting man. You know, you never it was never dull talking to him, but it was quite hard to kind of uh, reconcile the person that you were meeting and talking to with this kind of. And literally, as soon as he said action or or off we go, he was like, "Oh, I cannot believe what I've just done." You know, he, he would come out of it. I mean, we, we've re- we've recently seen him in an episode of Red Cap, oh, yeah. where he's doing a Welsh accent. Uh, that, that that's unusual i have to say we will talk about that um fully a bit later on in this this issue um but there's very little of sort of his acting career that we're familiar with um, yeah well i mean he he wasn't hugely successful as an actor i mean he had been mainly working in theater in fact he was in a a, a theater production when he was spotted by Billy Baxter um because they ran a piece in her local paper in Le- the Leicester Mercury but he'd done, I think, little bit parts on TV, rather like Peter Purvis had. Yeah. Although Peter had had a regular role in Doctor Who. Of course, at the time, that wasn't regarded as a kind of prestige job. So they weren't kind of... 
Thank you for that. That's uh, it's, it's just lovely to hear, you know, somebody that actually spent some spent some time with him and 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 worked with him. I, I, I'd finished Andrew by saying that yeah. we once had a dinner for all the Blue Peter editors, of which at the time I think there'd been only five in sort of nearly fifty years, and and we all asked the question, who was the most popular and successful presenter and why, and we were all unanimous that it was Noakes, and I think it was because he was really before real personalities were familiar on television you know he didn't have a kind of received pronunciation accent he was a he had a warm northern accent he was so natural and i think he really connected with people and that's why he was so popular oh just a postscript to that to this and uh i think matt west has already said did you uh want to mention the forthcoming book yes It's certainly going to be on our shelves when it comes out because uh, all the milk books are are in our collection. So looking forward to that. But uh, just want to say thank you very much for that, uh, Richard. That's that's really much appreciated. Thank you then, and I'll stop. I'll stop there. Thank you again to Richard for that yes, piece. Yes, that was lovely. Thank really, you very really much, Richard. Appreciate it. And thank you, Matt West, for for, for helping, helping set it up. Yeah. Um, that music that we've just played is the music to Red Cap. Yes. Um, though, because it's got the ABC jingle at yes. the start, I keep expecting it to turn into the, uh, Avengers. the Avengers. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> weird. Because it's the only thing I know yeah. the ABC jingle yeah. is followed by. Yes. Um, very quick odds and ends from the adventure game that mm-hmm. we perhaps should have said. Um, the snake furry snake thing from Vision On the thing that used to zoom about all over the set of Vision yeah. On makes a very brief appearance in the James Burke episode it does and I think that's just an in-joke on part of Patrick Dowling yes, who did Vision On as well Vision on, yes. Um, yes. and the Bonnie Langford one we should note has also got Chris Hughes yes. in it who's um, now an egghead who's now an egghead yes. so looking looking young a bit younger uh, but yeah. he was going on about the Tay Bridge or yes, something yes yes yeah. you can see the nerdism in him <laughs> I can but, say that because I'm a nerd. Well, yes, that's all right. We're both that's, nerds. That's all right. But uh, Red Cap. Now, um, why did we get Red Cap, please, sir? Why did we get Red Cap? 
did Warren recommend because it? Because Warren, recommend, Warren bought it. Right. And Warren recommended it. Mm. And had I waited a little while, I could have got it a lot cheaper in the network sale, which is currently on, but never mind. Um, so, yeah, Warren bought it and he said it was very good and I trust Warren <laughs> and it looked interesting and it's I'd been reading a bit about it anyway because when I did my research for our Sweeney article mm. uh, there was mention of Red Cap yeah because that was the thing the, that brought John yeah. Thor this is John Thor the at the real notice. start of his yes so co- he had done other things career he said, isn't it because John yeah. Thor now when's he born 1942 1942 yeah and this is 1964 yeah so he was 22 good grief yeah he doesn't look 22 he looks. He, John Thor's one of those people that always looked older than he actually was. It's not the very first thing that he's no. on because he does mm-hmm. pop up in Z Cars for a few episodes in 1963 as mm-hmm. uh, Detective Constable Elliot, yeah. um, including A Quiet Night, which is the one in which I think nothing happens. Oh, right. <laughs> it doesn't exist, does it? No, I, I really want to see A Quiet very Night. Very annoying. But, uh, that, that's yeah. meant to be quite fun so yeah he, he does have a few mm. sort of appearances before then but this is his yeah. first sort of starring role really yes. isn't it yeah. um so let's explain what the setup is yeah, he's um sergeant man of the um what do they call them the special special invest the military police's the special, special in- investigation, investigation branch. branch they're the red yeah. caps Hence yeah. the title yeah um, so as it's in black and yes. white you can't tell you can't tell <laughs> but i think probably the military police themselves will admit that they're not very liked by the rest of the army. No. Because they have to go in and sort out the mess when something happens. This is a DVD release from Network, as yes. most of our collection seems to be. Yeah. And you've got seven discs worth of stuff. Yes. Because it ran for, what, two series? Two series, yeah. And almost all of it survives. Yeah, which, which, which is amazing. There's... Amazing. Um, Only three episodes that are three missing. episodes that are missing... Two of them are utterly missing. That's The Money Lenders and An Ambush Amongst Friends, both from 1966, Series 2. Strictly by the book um, is included as a sort of extra. Because mm. um, although the episode's missing, there's a, a single reel of film yeah, from sort of part three Film of it. sequences, isn't it? So. Yeah, but this, this is not as transmitted. No. Because the, yeah. it's sort of out... It, it, it's takes but yeah. it's the start of takes and yeah, the end of so takes there's, co- and there's coughing and fiddling coughing about and, at the start and people decide do you want me to move or? yeah and the camera like pointing at a chair for about yeah. a minute um, but that's interesting to see yeah yeah. you've also got a an annual on there yes yeah, so as, as a pdf annual, yeah, we, we should look at that because yeah. I, I like that we, you've been going through an annual phase yes, recently we've, we've haven't got we? lots of annuals of various things things lots um, of tv comic annuals Angels annuals, cat weasel annuals. But, but the episode we wanted to look at, look at more closely yeah. is episode three. Yes. Epitaph for a sweat. Yes. Um, to read the description, um, man finds himself in Aden trying to investigate the vicious beating of an Arab worker, encountering prejudice at every turn. And blimey, does he encounter prejudice? Oh yes, yeah. not to him. Yeah. To the local population. Yeah. Well, a bit to him, he, but mostly to the local population. He has to determine whether it was self-defence or systemised brutality. Guest stars include mm-hmm. Leonard Rossiter, yeah. Ian McShane, yeah. Mike Pratt, yes. John Horsley, mm-hmm. and John Noakes. John Noakes, yes. <laughs> Who's Welsh? John Noakes is being Welsh in this. Yes. And he's not bad. He does a better. It has to be said, he does a better Welsh accent than I do because you know well, my, how mind drift about. Most people do. I have to say. Oh, I see. <laughs> the 
Uh, episode's written by Richard Harris. Yes. Um, and directed by Peter Graham Scott. Mm-hmm. And proving that everything joins up. Yeah. Peter Graham Scott is producer director on Children of the Stones. He is. Yeah. It's a small <laughs> no, world. None of this is ever planned. I don't no, think. No, it just, just synchronises sometimes. You just get all these connections yeah. with, yeah. with. As, as Professor Jones says in the Green Death, it's serendipity. Yes. Um, if you look in Radio Times, TV Times, T- uh, TV Times, get it right. Uh, this episode is broadcast. Oh, it would, would help if I got the right uh, t- TV Times, wouldn't yes. it? Not that one. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's the thirty-first of October, nineteen sixty-four. So Halloween, which was a Saturday, um, yeah. and there's a there is actually a piece about the. Special Investigations branch in this edition of TV Times, Crime Busters in Khaki. But as with so many of these things, it's nothing really about the no, actual. It's just about the actual real people e- that episode. are doing the job. It, it, yeah. It's to do with the background yeah. of, of the show. Uh, but it's broadcast at 10 past nine. Mm-hmm. So schedule beforehand is Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea at 7 30, The Arthur Haynes Show at 8. 35 or 25 8 25 9 o'clock is news and 9 10 red cap and 10 10 the sullivan sullivan brothers don't know what that is but um and the pop spot at 1105 and milligan's wake uh spike milligan uh scripted by ray golton and alan simpson at 11 15 all right okay. so, there you go so yeah red caps gets a nice um, that's the heart uh, of the evening. That, yeah, slot, that, that's isn't a, it? that's a real good. That's, that's a good, slot. good good schedule. So yeah. it's considered, I think, to be a fairly yeah. solid, prestigious yes. show series. Yes. And a that's shown by the amount of really good guest stars you get yes. in it. Yeah, it's another one of these ITV things where you just get people that you don't expect to see in traumas like Leonard Rossiter. No, um, you've got also Ian Kennedy, Martin, and John Bryce as script editors and and producer yeah, it's created it's created by jack bell i don't yeah. really know jack bell no. i don't no. don't really know the name um but it's 26 episodes in total mm-hmm. episode one is 17th of october 64 yeah. and the final episode is 25th of june 66 so there's a bit of a gap between the first and second yeah we, we 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 chose the john noakes one um, first of all, because it's John Noakes. Because a, it was John Noakes, and we yeah. wanted to see John Noakes. And we'd never seen doing, him acting anything. anything eh? And B, that I think that um, that guest cast yeah. just leapt out, out at us yeah. straight away because Leonard Rossiter's playing a sort of a sergeant. A sergeant, he's not very nice. To be honest, having now seen, I think we've seen four episodes of Red Cap. It, uh, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of not very nice no, sergeants. No, no, I don't know why anybody would want to go into the army because it just doesn't <laughs> seem like it's very nice. It's you get like, treated really badly. It seems it seems to be that most sergeants have got yeah <laughs> attitudes. Yes, that, that's one yeah. word. Episode one, by the way, is written by William Ems. All right, we okay. notice. Um, yeah. we should yeah. watch episode one. We, we should actually watch 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 that. I know, mm. but um, yeah, we've seen. So what are we seeing? Was episode three? Yes. Um, Boys of B Company, which is episode eight. Yeah. 
Now, who's in that one? Uh, Richard O'Sullivan. Richard O'Sullivan. Playing a really nasty character. Sort of boys, boy sergeant, boy isn't sergeant. it? Well, cadet sergeant. But, no, call, they're calling boy they, sergeant. They're called boy sergeants. Um, and Barry Evans, looking extraordinarily I, I couldn't recognise Barry Evans until really he started young. speaking, because yeah. he's got a real short army Shit haircut. haircut. Yeah. It's lovely yeah. to see Barry Evans looking yeah. looking so, yeah. and, so uh, young in that. And then we've done a couple from season uh, two. Two. Two yeah. as well. Yeah. Which are which are they? Um, the Barry Letts one. Yeah. So which one's that? Prime. That's Passionelle. Prime Passionel. Yeah. So that's Barry Letts, Brian Cox, and Joe Lynch. Yes. And uh, Brian Cox just looking like his son. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. His son's an actor as well. Yeah. Barry Letts is playing a major. A major, isn't it? yeah. Yeah, with a yeah. with a moustache. Moustache. It's probably. Yes. You know, just before Barry before decides to be a director, be- becomes yeah. sort of, you know, yeah. get, goes into, into production, production side, side. Yeah. of it. So yeah. I don't think. Have you seen anything else with Barry no. in acting? No. No, no it's nice to. No, this is he, he's, he's playing it quite posh, isn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, he's a major. He's a major. He, yeah. Majors are posh. Yeah, and also Buckingham Palace. Yes. Now, this one was quite fun, I thought. Yeah. This yeah. was set in Cyprus. Yes. Because. The, the advantage of this series yeah. is that he sort of travels all the way around the world, doesn't yeah. doesn't yeah. he? He doesn't um, actually get to go out on location. I think most of it's filmed in well, studio. Well, a lot of it's studio stuff. There's the odd tiny bit of yeah. inserts of, of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's been to Aden. He's been he was in the jungle um, mm-hmm. in in Crime Passion Hour, wasn't he? And, then, mm-hmm. and this one, he's in Cyprus, where mm. it's all cold and snowy. Yes. Um, yeah. So he gets to he gets to move about a bit. Yeah. Now who was who was in Buckingham Palace? Uh, it, what, why is it called Buckingham Palace? That's it's the name a card, of the game card game. Card they game they, they, it's like they they bet different properties sticks. and things. Yeah. Oh, that's William Lucas and Peter Bowles. Peter Bowles and um, Peter Bowles playing a sort of uh, untrustworthy uh, Cypriot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah Peter Bowles. Um, there is somebody, oh, Ken Campbell, okay. looking oh, young, really young. Ken young. Campbell, yes. Really young, and you don't really, I mean, you sort of do recognise him, and then he opens his mouth and you go, oh, yeah, God, Yeah, yeah, that, that's Campbell. the same voice, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously playing it completely straight. Yeah. Now let, oh, and, and um, uh, Douglas, not Douglas, hmm? uh, Donald Webster. Don, oh, Donald Webster from, from Mr. Mr Rose. Rose. Yes, yes, that's right. Playing yeah. a different kind of part, yeah. but with the same kind of accent. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> Yes, I again. It's one of these series that I sort of went into. I don't know whether I'd, I'd like it or not, but it's really well done. It is. Um, it is. I mean, I you know, I'm always a sucker for black and white yeah. studio, multi-camera stuff. Anyway, um, the sort of the the out the outtake reel um, sort of demonstrates, you know, how difficult these things are yeah. to shoot. I think, mm-hmm. and it does require a lot of skill. Yeah. Just to make them as good as that yeah. good as they are, but let, let's let's talk about John Thor. Yes, in it, yes. Um, there's, a, there's a progression of the character. I yes, think. there's a notable difference. Given that we haven't seen everything, no, but no, we've seen two episodes from series one and two episodes from series two. Mm. And as Warren says in the series two episodes, he's basically playing a prototype of Jack Regan. Mm. He becomes. He's a lot harder. Yeah, he doesn't put any, uh, with any nonsense. No, he's at a lot all. harder. It's. You can see where he's going to go with Jack Regan when he gets the part. Yeah. I mean, in the episode three, which was the first one we saw, it did sort of jump out at me how reasonable he yeah, is. Yeah, he is. He is. Where everybody around, everybody's throwing the um, 
Yeah, there's a, the, there's the, a certain three-letter word that they, the they use. W word. Um, and it's noticeable that John he, Thor's the only one that doesn't use, use that no. that word, and no. he's he's at most all he's taking the local reasonable. police seriously, seriously whereas yeah. nobody else is. No. Um, no. So is that thing about you know he he's he's the reasonable character well he's your hero you've got to mm. have a hero even though a lot of people probably would have identified with the other characters yeah but your hero should be a brother with that because he does seem to be quite a progressive sort of yes character i think yeah. really um you know again it's it's always you know it depends on the writing so much doesn't it mm -hmm. um but by yeah by season two he's you can see where he's his career is sort of heading. To, it's it's yeah. interesting that so early on in his yeah. career, almost you can see where it's going to progress yeah. over the next He's 10, 10, 15 a years. Posher version of Jack Reed. Yeah, but I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, that at the at, at the age twenty two. Yeah. Now, what was it you said about um, when he finished doing the series? When he finished in the series, this is what I read in, in the in the book I was reading about the Sweeney. Mm. Um, the finish the. The series finished. He'd separated from his wife, so I think he might have been living with Ian Candy Martin. Right. But I'm not entirely sure about that. And then he got a huge tax bill. Right. So he was then he had to then almost kill himself to work to pay off the tax bill and support his family. Because what did he do after this <coughs> then? I'm not sure. Excuse uh, me. Sorry. Bat out of hell, 1966. Oh, he, he does pop up in Strange Report. Yeah, I think he does a lot of. Um, part one-off parts just to get some money and i yeah. think he might have done Aneedin, some theater yeah, as well need in line budgie um yeah. yeah it's not no it's noticeable that after red cap he doesn't do another no, series no, yeah, until no the series Sweeney. starring rock oh because of course he's in rivals of sherlock holmes as well oh, yes he is he's in that one they in that one episode with catherine shell it's the catherine shell one yeah yes. he's, he's marvelous in that if you're gonna see that you should watch it yeah i've really forgotten yeah because that's the one with catherine shell and, and philip, philip maddock Yes, it's an okay. absolutely superb cast. Yeah, that, that, that's... and he's playing. Isn't it in Norway or somewhere like that? Oh, but he, he doesn't do an accent. No, he just does it, which is the right thing to do. Yeah, because yeah, it's... We, we've got to do Rivals of Sherlock Holmes yes. at some point because yes. oh, there's so, so many marvelous, so many episodes. good stories in that yeah. as well. Um, yeah. But we're going off at a tangent. Yeah, so. but yeah, I mean, Red Cap. We've done four episodes in quite yeah. a short time. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, we did two episodes in a row today, we did, didn't we? Yes. Um, we wanted to sort of see as much as it as yeah. we could before, before we did this. Before we did this, but we should actually go back and talk about an epitaph for a sweat because mm. we've not yeah. actually talked about the episode okay. so much. Well, and John Noakes. Yes. Well, so yeah, you know, tell us what the the storyline is. Well, here yeah, that. he he goes to um, Aiden. Is it? I've forgotten where it was now. Yes. Yes. Um, because this local um, person has been. Beaten, beaten up, up badly very yeah. badly and the, what that happens is that the sergeant says that he found him broke broke so this is leonard rossiter leonard Rosser's yeah. character he was he'd broken into a storeroom pulled a knife on him and he says he hit him mm. basically you sh i don't want to give too much away because people might want to watch yeah. it but you do see on screen that this may not be entirely true yes then halfway through the episode Leonard Rosters' character gets killed off. Yes. And then it turns to who, who killed did him. that instead. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. So he, he then investigates what happened. Mm hmm. So. 
Oh, did did we a, say Mike Pratt's in it as well? Yes. Oh, we did, Mike Pratt's right. the other sergeant. Yes. In it. And Bill Treacher. Bill Treacher, <laughs> yes. As a corporal as well. Yes. Yeah. But yes, it's... Throwing the W round, world oh, yes. around. Yes, yes. But John Noakes, his character is... I mean, he gets a... It's not a huge part. But he gets this scene where he's welding. Yeah. And it's actually him welding because they're fixing a bridge. A bridge has been damaged. Yeah. And they're sent off to fix it. And he's, there's a character welding and he lifts the mask up and it's John Noakes. <laughs> so, so, I mean... I'm just wondering um, whether it was one of those things that can you weld? Yeah. Yes, you've got. Yes, you've got the you part. You got the part, you know. Because um, he was a, he was in the RAF, John. Yeah. And he was a engine fitter. So he might well so have. So he might. It might. Yeah, yeah, might well he, he might well have, have been yeah. perfectly capable yeah. of that. And anyway, so yeah, it's just just. I know actors always say if you go out for a part, and they say, "Can you do can this?" You do you, this? Say yes. you always say yes. yes. You know, can you? Ride you... A yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you ride a horse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. You know, yeah. you never say you can't do anything. No. But, but yeah, you're you're right. That um, you know, but it's an extraordinary moment when you just lift the mask up and oh my god, it's John. It's actually John Lewis. <laughs> but yeah, it's just lovely to see John do, doing yeah. doing doing that, and it's, yeah. it's it's only a couple of years before. Yeah, it's it's only a year, year and a bit before yeah. before Blue Peter, isn't yeah. it? So, you know, as we said, he's, he's December 65, 65 for Blue Peter. And this is, well, broadcast is October 64. But it was I don't probably know quite made when not it was, much Yeah, I don't know when the, the actual filming much. Would, would have been yeah. for this. Um, but I'm certainly looking forward to seeing a few few more of these yeah, and yeah. I, mean, I said it's, it's just, definitely the cast list that yeah, attracts me to yeah, this. It's, as with all these things because i think philip maddox in an episode coming yeah. out on series two and uh, uh, windsor davies yeah. youth of joyce um yes yeah, so we, we said about something graham crowden's in one <laughs> well that'll be fun graham <laughs> crowden's in everything philip maddox yeah. um donald hewlett um yeah just just Brilliant, brilliant people. Oh, John Savadant. I said John Savadant. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Garfield Morgan. Yeah, he's in the next episode from oh, one of the ones oh, we the watched killer. today. Yeah. Yeah. That's one in the South China Seas, that one. He, look, he looked quite young. All right. I mean, mm. blimey, this this series does move about, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because it, it gives you the yeah. opportunity to put it wherever the British Army was at that particular yeah. time. So you, you must clock mm. up the miles, Sergeant yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, silly names. Oh, yes. We there have are to say, a lot of silly names in it. Yeah. Um, mm. Yes, he's called Sergeant Man, and we love yes. the idea that before he was uh, before he joined the Army, he was just Mr. Man. Mr. Man. But, but he's just got called Mr. Man in, in the Boys of B Company yeah. because he pretends to be from the... Um, Whichever part of yeah. the government, but the episodes the, uh, we've seen, Army. we've had somebody called Fish, yes, somebody called Christmas, and yeah. somebody called Bucket. Bucket, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just starting to wonder if there's this thing with the writers. Can who we can put the silliest, silliest name. surname in? It yeah. sounds like it's a writers' competition thing, yeah. like, you know. But yeah, yeah it's, it's the boys of B Company. What's your name? Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you go. Well, I wasn't expecting that as an answer. No. So there's there's a little bit of humour in it. It's not all totally grim, is it? No, you know, it's um, a little bit grim in places. Yeah, but... I mean, inevitably, given the subject yeah, it will matter. Be. Yeah. Um, but it's it sort of it, yes, there's there's some there's some nasty moments. It has to be yeah. said, um, mm-hmm. but nothing that's particularly off-putting no. to me. And I'm quite Sensitive. easily off-put yes. put by by some things yes. I have to say. Yeah, but it's, it is a good series. We mm. would recommend it. Yeah. 
I mean, if nothing else, it's just really nice to see John Thor looking fairly young. Fairly young, not yes. incredibly young, no. but fairly young. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah, as it's it's our sort of. It's our discovery of the month, really, yes. isn't it, Red well, Cat? Well, it's Warren's discovery. Well, Warren's discovery, but yeah. Yes, but yeah. But I think we'll we'll finish there, mm. um, and that's issue eleven, just about done. Yes. Goodness me! Um, so thank you for listening. Thank yes. you for everyone who's helped. Yes. Um, issue twelve is fairly well planned already. Already. Yeah. Um, in fact, we've at least we've got at least two things already recorded mm-hmm. that from various very nice people. So thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for that, and uh, yes, we'll uh, we'll let you go now. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a silly sketch at the end, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> We've already recorded that, so we know what that's going to be about. And we'll see mm. you see you soon. Okay, bye. Okay, uh, try standing on the red triangle. Oh, 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 oh. No, that's not right either. Um, okay, then then it's got to be the blue square. Yeah, that one seems to be all right. Oh, I think we're finally getting the hang of this. Green pentagon? Oh, it's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, that one's safe. So it must be the yellow triangle. Hurrah, I've made it. Oh, well done. Finally, the next time we have a new bathroom floor fitted, remind me to check what planet the bloke comes from. <laughs> Noah Elodge, Nam Gals, Death Mac Iber, Nobelib. That was episode 11 of Round the Archive, starring Lisa Parker and Andrew Trowbridge, with Warren Cummings, Nick Goodman, Paul Chandler, and special guest Richard Marson. Thanks also to Matt West, Peter Crocker, and the Enigmatic Iggins. And a special Ole to Bill Homewood. On the musical side, you heard Dan Tate and Paul Chandler. The script for Red Cap, Epitaph for a Sweat, was by Richard Harris. And the producer was John Bryce. Several light milliseconds away, on the south side of Dorset, lies a small, relatively overlooked podcast known as Round the Archives. The archivers, though rarely visited by television producers, have a regrettable sense of humour.